welcome to the Thankful Homemaker podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello friends, I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com. In today's podcast episode, we're talking about the family dinner table. So how would you like to build relationships in your family, teach good conversation skills, work on proper table manners, eat healthier, and laugh and just enjoy each other's company as a family? The solution is simple. Take the time to make the most of your family dinners. Do you think of your family table as a place of discipleship? Our family tables are a place where we can offer Christ to others, and our hope is that our children and others would leave with more than just full bellies, but with the truth of Jesus who wants to feed their souls. Does it sound a bit overwhelming? It doesn't have to be, and I'm going to share some simple tips today from our home life, the lives of friends, and from a great resource called The Life-Giving Table, a book written by Sally Clarkson to help you get started creating your own life-giving table. So Clay Clarkson, Sally's husband from the book, says, Even the simplest supper, meal, snack, or tea time can become in some way a feast, a lavish celebration of the living God's life and goodness. It's not just about the physical act of eating, but about sharing and enjoying life as God designed and gave it to us. That is the essence of the life-giving table. So what are we truly feeding others? Because eating is part of our day, right? God designed these bodies to need food to survive. And as a family, you're going to eat thousands of meals throughout the course of your years together. Three meals a day times 365 days a year times 18 years, right? That's a lot of meals. So in the life-giving table, Sally Clarkson helps us to create a vision of how God might use our tables. She reminds us that we can create an environment that says, I love you. Your family table can be used to build and strengthen your relationships with each other and to teach your children how to honor each other. She says, breaking bread together, sharing food, sitting at table eye to eye is essential to individual growth and relationship. Adults and children are not just bodies to be fed, but also minds to be challenged, hearts that depend on emotional input to survive and to grow as healthy human beings and spirits that long for connection with God and purpose in life. Feasting together is a powerful way to fulfill physical, emotional, and spiritual needs, end quote. So I know now, as a mom of adult children, that our time with them is fleeting to have a day-to-day influence. This particular book was a great reminder for me to be intentional with the time we have with our babies at home. It wasn't so much about a lot of effort, but it was just being intentional. I, you know, it's not to add more, but just really making the most of the time and thinking through things. And I know as those of us who love Christ, we desire for our kids to see that love lived out and that our time together at meals is one way that we can invest in their lives for things that matter eternally. But again, we need to be intentional because as moms, not always, but for the most part, this part usually falls on us, that, that dinner time hour or really all of the meal times. So if you take nothing else from our time together today, please grasp the truth that having a relationship with your children makes everything easier. And I can attest as a mom who worked hard at building relationships with my children over many meals and day-to-day interaction, that no matter the direction of their lives, that connectedness and those memories of time together, it remains with them. 
And food seems to naturally open up relationships and it gives us time to slow down and to get to know one another better. So the main purpose of your table is to be intentional in establishing a foundation of a relationship with one another. Use your table to create a place of love and an oasis from the busyness of life. Your children should know that you value what they have to say. They know that their thoughts matter. It's a great time for discussion and can shape them in so many ways. It's just a good reminder that things like our habits and routines and rhythms, they're really powerful tools that the Lord can use in shaping our children. So I love one example in that life-giving table book, how the Clarksons were intentional to use their table to help their children to articulate well through lively discussions, to share ideas, discuss books they're reading, talk about a biblical worldview, ask questions openly, and bring God's word into all of life. It was a sacred place that they shared together. Um, Your table is a great place to teach your kids manners and conversation skills and how to honor one another. Your table can be a place to teach your children to have an attitude of gratefulness, build friendships with one another, and just create a place of love and togetherness and belonging. Um, One of the quotes I love that Sally Clarkson said, she said, these are my people. So mama, those sweet faces around your table, they are your people. Um, I want to leave you with a good overview too to get you on your way to taking back this most important hour of the day as you spend your time together as a family, this dinner time hour. So one of the things is if you start some of these traditions or these things that you're being intentional on with while your kids are young, they're going to look forward to it all their lives and they may carry it over into their own families. If you're starting with older children and you've not made the family dinner table an important part of your life together, start slow and add things, just a couple things at a time to it. There have been numerous studies to the important benefits of eating together as a family, and this is just from the secular world. They've shown that there's less drug and alcohol abuse in teens, less obesity, better conversation skills, higher grades, and a better relationship with their families. So now, imagine the benefits as Christians to train our children in the ways of the Lord by using our time together for good conversations, devotions, prayer, manners, and learning to serve one another. So I have seven things that I want to go over today, just seven, I call them seven simple steps to making the most of our family dinners. So really simple, we're going to go through menu planning, setting the table, some helpful rules, manners, conversation ideas, devotions, and even cleaning up together. So my first area I want to talk about is menu planning. I'm not going to go in depth here because if you spend any time on my blog, you already know I'm a planner. And even if you're not a planner, I encourage you to plan a bit ahead for dinner each day. Don't be looking at the clock at five o'clock, mama, and wondering what you're going to make for dinner. Let your family know that this is an important time for you too. Important enough that you took the time to plan a delicious, healthy meal to feed the family you love so much. One of my favorite chapters in the Life-Giving Table book was this one that was entitled Living Out Grace, where Sally Clarkson talked about survival versus sustainability. And her table discipleship principle in this chapter was, a wise disciple must make space for rest and beauty in the midst of life. And I know many of my listeners out there, many of you are young mamas in the midst of business every day with littles underfoot. So I hope that many of these tips today will be a help and a blessing to you. Don't put them on as a burden. Just listen, take one or two things that maybe you can do or implement and do them. <clears throat> so your table, it can be an anchor in this season of life. If you take the time to plan what your meals look like during this busy season, 
that's going to be a huge help to you because that's one thing out of the way that you're not being frenzied about. Maybe you need simpler dinner options. So you need to determine what is a reality for your family right now. Even in the simple dinners, you can bring beauty and ritual to your table. My podcast on simple menu planning may be a really helpful resource in getting started. If you go to thankfulhomemaker.com and hit the tab at the top in the menu bar for podcast show notes, and if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see simple menu planning. And um, just again, that's right at the blog. So mama, I I don't want to put a burden on you with this, but I cannot tell you enough the benefit of meal planning that that 30 minutes it takes you every week to sit down and put a simple meal plan together. So when you go to the store, you're ready and you have your meals planned for the week. That's going to be a huge time saver for you and a help. So my second thing is setting the table. How often do you take the time to set a pretty table for your family? And having children to take care of this task creatively is a huge blessing too. Take the time to set a pretty table along with them. Um, Invest in some pretty tablecloths. There's a lot secondhand stores. They have a nice selection of tablecloths and placemats. You can use cloth napkins even. Find some good cheap ones that you can wash regularly or paper napkins. I know there's some families that take... um, even like a, like a hand towel or dish towels, they buy coordinating dish towels and the kids keep them at their chairs and maybe they use those for the whole day or two days and then wash them. Um, and if you're using regular napkins, learn a couple of fun napkin folds and teach your kids. Our kids love to do that. Think through what your time together at the table is going to look like. It can be a bit more challenging with littles to sit longer over a, a family devotional or conversation, but they need to learn and they're not going to unless you start training them. Children love routine, so light a candle, put some music on in the background, just a little bit, something plain in the background. Those two things alone give you the desire to linger a bit at the table. My grandbabies, who are pretty young still, they notice my music and candles during meals when they're here. We can create a place where children know that their thoughts and opinions matter, Our culture nowadays is really one of isolation, but you can model at your table that your children are important and what they have to say is important. Uh, Take the time to make eating together a priority as much as possible. And maybe to start with, maybe it is only one night a week. I don't know what schedules look like, but start somewhere. Remove technology from the table because phones take the focus off people. Let your family know that this is an important time together and setting a pretty table sets the tone for the rest of the meal. Really, I have my next number three is some basic rules. So we have a few simple rules that help to keep the family meal table successful and an uninterrupted experience for all of us. And these rules apply to all family members. So we all try to come to the table at the same time. We do not always have our dinner at the same time every day. It depends on my husband's work schedule. But when the kids were small, um, we really did make sure that we were all there together at the same time. I already said this, but again, no cell phones at the table. Not a whole much to elaborate on there. No answering the home phone, if you still have one, we do, <laughs> during the dinner hour, unless it's an emergency. And one is you eat what is served, no substitutions. Mom is not a short order cook. Children will learn to eat a variety of foods and they'll not be picky eaters. They will also learn good manners when they're eating at someone else's home, not to complain about what's put before them, but to eat it and be thankful for the meal. And obviously food allergies are an exception here. 
No television, right? That's a simple one. And for us, water is the staple beverage unless you're offering another special beverage that night or something. It's an excellent way to get your family drinking more water and save money. One thing we've loved is I just invested in a pretty stainless steel pitcher to serve it in and it makes it really fun. Throw some lemon slices in there and you just, you feel so fancy. So the fourth step is we're going to talk about manners because we can tend to get relaxed when we're home with just our family and our basic manners. But this is the time, mamas, to train your children at home so you're at the table so they understand and can practice basic table etiquette when they're dining somewhere else. It should be a joy and a delight to dine anywhere with your children and not have to worry about their manners. Be consistent in your training at home and start while they are toddlers at the table with you. So simple things. I'm going to run down a simple list here. Chew with your mouth closed. No slurping while drinking. Use your utensils unless it's a food that's to be eaten with fingers. Put your napkin on your lap and use it instead of your hand to wipe your mouth. They can. Children are so good at learning this and they love it. It's fun to them. If you need to get up from the table, ask to be excused and you put your napkin on your chair. Eat over the table. I mean, this one saves so much cleanup at home. Maybe it's just me and my old ageness or something. <laughs> but I always just think it's not even polite when you visit someone to leave half your meal on the floor, right? Especially when you can very simply train them to eat over their plates. Don't reach across the table for food. Ask politely for it to be passed. As your child is older, it's just proper if you're cutting a piece of meat to cut one piece of food at a time and eat it. A little different when they're little and you cut their whole meal up. Um, keep your elbows off the table while eating. Be polite and don't announce that you don't like something as it's being served. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a help to you when you're at somebody's house and it won't be so embarrassing if you've trained them well at home. Uh, only take what you're going to eat so food isn't wasted, especially when children are at buffets, just even teaching them well how to go through a buffet line. And for them to participate in the family dinner conversation, but not to interrupt others and not to dominate the conversation, the table is a great time to learn conversation skills. Reminding them to always say, excuse me, when they need to leave the table, or may I please be excused. And then reminding them to thank the cook for the meal, because that's a great thing for them to do when you're out at someone else's home. And number five, I want to talk about our conversation so one way to make memories at the dinner table is to enjoy fun and lively conversation together. Food and fellowship just seem to go together so well. Many times conversation just flows and we can find ourselves sitting at the table for an extended amount of time. We also like to be intentional with our conversation on some nights though. You can have specific questions to talk about, books you're reading, something new everyone is learning, politics, current events, or theology. It's a great time for children to ask questions or a time to pour our hearts out to one another. We like to have conversation starters handy sometimes to get a conversation going. I love them when we have company over for dinner too. And sometimes we'll just put a question at everyone's place setting and take the time either during or after the meal to go around the table and answer various questions. For Christmas one year, we made these dinnertime conversation jar gifts for friends, and I just took a mason jar and printed off a variety of questions on business cardstock. I folded the questions in half and placed them in the mason jar and put a little label on it and one of those lovely plastic lids on it. But I do have a blog post up that has um, 90 conversation starters, and I'll link to it in the show notes too. But you can print out questions from all kinds of various places online to get some ideas or just think up your own questions. This is a great job for kids. I love some of these, some quick question ideas. 
to get your creative juices flowing or what's something you learned today or if you could go on vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Who has most influenced your life and in what way? What's a quality you appreciate in one of your friends? And if you were going to be a missionary, what country would you like to serve the Lord and in why? Or what are three things you are most thankful for in your life? There's another rule I love, and I heard this from Michael Hyatt's blog, and I just think it's great when you're having a lot of people over for dinner, but that there's only one conversation at the table going on at a time. So if you're with another couple, like a husband and wife, you know, you and the wife maybe aren't talking and the husbands aren't talking, but your conversation is all together and it's one topic. I, I really, I love that. I just think that's great because sometimes I find myself when I'm in a conversation with someone and I can hear the other conversation going on next to me, I'm kind of distracted and I just think, oh, why aren't we all talking about the same thing? I just think that's a great way to get input and connect with one another. Um, my sixth point here is family devotions. We have found that our best time to do our family devotions is at the table. I know my husband and I are empty nesters now, so we do our Bible time in the morning at breakfast, and sometimes we'll still do a devotion at dinner time. Or if breakfast didn't work out for us, then we can do our Bible reading at dinner. But it is convenient because we're already gathered, sitting, and together. Um, this may not work for your family, and you might do them after dinner and after cleanup is finished. You may want to sit in your cozier family room to do it, but there's... <sighs> There's no set rule here. Usually the three elements to family devotions are Bible reading, singing, and prayer time together. So take the time and see maybe there's some way you can help or encourage your husband to help lead this part of your dinner time. That's something to be prayerful about if you're not already doing them. And my seventh thing is cleaning up together. And this is an important part of learning to serve one another and working together so the load is made lighter for everyone. If you use a chore chart, make sure there are enough helpers involved in the cleanup process so it isn't a burden to anyone, but really a fun time of fellowship that continues after the meal. Everyone should clear their plate from the table and still be part of the cleanup process, however that works in your home. I mean, our simple cleanup after dinner is you clear the table, wipe the table, you put away the leftovers, load the dishwasher and hand wash needed items, sweep the floor if needed. I, usually at that point, I clean the sink and put out fresh towels for the next day. It's a delight to do this to music put some music on or a favorite of ours here has been to listen we love wretched radio it always fosters discussion for us about current events um just looked at through a biblical worldview i just i enjoy todd friel and just enjoy listening to that particular podcast so let's just talk a little about celebrating life together and i a couple things i want to grab right because because i love some of the clarkland the clarkson's family rituals in her book and even now in my empty nest, I'm going to put some of these into practice. So as I'm putting this podcast together, I'm preparing for grandbabies to be here for an extended sleepover. Actually, we're going to take them on the road with us for a few days. But I want to be intentional in my time with them because our influence in the lives of others for Christ doesn't stop once our children are grown and gone. My husband is still someone I desire to pour Christ's love into. So I will continue to be intentional in our mealtimes together. My neighbors, church family, friends are ones I desire to show hospitality to and let them know they are valued and important to me. We love to be able to host his business acquaintances, my husband's, when they're in town in our home. That's just been a great opportunity for us. So some of the family rituals that I love from the Clarksons were they had take the time to make the most of holiday dinners. 
The seasons of Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas just naturally point to Christ, so think how you can be intentional in those meal times. It's a good time to invite others into your home that don't have families nearby to share those special meal times with too. Um, utilize some discussion questions to get the conversation going. And we talked about that earlier, and I'll put a link to some conversation articles in the blog post too. Um, you can, um, after the meal, you can read a poem together and you could talk about it or read a book together, a chapter, a time each night. That would be kind of fun. We used to do that some when our kids were at home. You can discuss a Bible story together and memorize Bible verses together at the table. You can start a ritual of an afternoon tea time together, have a simple treat and everyone picks their favorite beverage. Just sit and savor and enjoy and chat, have some chat time together. You could have a tea time with your children or husband or a friend one-on-one and just ask questions like, how are you? What's going on? Continue to be intentional in making your relationships a priority. Use expensive, expensive, don't you love that? Huh? I'm helping you with your budget. Use inexpensive candles and music at every meal. I, I'm a Spotify lover. I have one of those Alexas and I just have my Spotify playlist so I have different playlist set up for whatever we're doing, whether it's classical or um, acoustic guitar or or my Christian, you know, music stations or my hymns. I love Sovereign Grace music. Just I'm kind of an eclectic mix here, but um, I love having music on in the background just quietly. You can set a simple table with what you already have on hand. It is amazing what you already have in your home that you can utilize. And again, like I said, get your children involved in setting the table getting involved in cooking the meal and maybe even having them say, what are we going to do tonight? What is the discussion of the devotional? What's it going to look like? Maybe having a game after dinner is a fun option. Continue to teach your kids to clean up after the meal time. It's a great tool to teach life skills to your children at the family dinner table. So as I'm winding down here, don't let this time together overwhelm you because this doesn't have to happen all in a day. Start with one idea that appeals to you. I do encourage you, if you haven't, you'd really enjoy the life-giving table. If it's something that you can budget or or just put on your wish list for the future, it'd be a great book to pick up. I highly recommend it. It's a wealth of information and one that I found myself continually referring back to as I'm working in my home on areas where I'd like to be more intentional in our mealtimes together. And I love it because it doesn't, it's not one of those books that you have to sit down and read from front to back, but you can pick through and read a chapter that pertains to you in that season. So we need to prepare our hearts and determine what goals we'd like to set for our family table times together. The table is the easiest place to start because everybody's already there and they have to eat. You can initiate and provide the atmosphere where beautiful mentoring and discipleship within your family can take place, Mama. Where will you start? Sally Clarkson says, she says, our laughter can glorify God as much as our thoughtful meditation Our cheerful performance of mundane tasks like vacuuming can honor God as much as our faithful church attendance. Serving pizza to a house full of teenagers can strike spiritual gold. We must learn to cherish all the moments of our lives and to call them holy, end quote. So I want to take a moment and just bring it back to the simple. These seven steps that I went through quickly are all very easy and just something you need to be intentional on, and they're going to soon become routine and that's going to become a habit, and it's just going to be part of your dinner time hour together. So simple. You're going to meal plan. You're going to ponder what setting the table looks like. Think about some basic rules you want to hold for your family. Continue to practice manners. Foster good conversation. Maybe it's your family devotion time. And then work to clean up together as a family. 
I hope this will encourage you to make some changes where you know you may need to. And if you're already good at planning the dinner time hour, maybe you've gotten a few ideas to change it up a bit or some other, um, some other tips there. So I do want to thank you so much, ladies, again, for your time here with me today. And remember always, our Jesus is enough. And as always, the link to the show notes and where to find me will be over at the, my little home on the web, thankfulhomemaker.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And I'd love you to head over to iTunes to leave a rating or a review. It has um, been a huge help in helping others to find the show. So I'm so grateful for that. Thank you so much for those of you who have left ratings and reviews. I so appreciate it. Have a blessed week, my dear friends. Mm-hmm.